0: Hi, I'm Jen. Milena. Milena with Latina Life. And this is another episode of our wonderful podcast. And today I'm so excited to share with you guys that we have a very good friend and a very awesome journalist with us, Gina Silva. You may have seen her on Extra. Um, she's currently on Good Day LA and Fox 11 News. Gina, thank you so much for joining us. Hey,
1: I I love being here with you guys. Thank you. It's a pleasure for me to join this important topic. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Oh my gosh, so excited. So I know we've seen you in LA. We've seen the LA market and the national market. Of course, everyone has to start somewhere. So I'm just curious, um, from Arizona, you know, how your journey began. How
1: did you get into journalism, well, it started actually in the eighth grade. I had a good teacher who had us do a report in the classroom and she videotaped everyone. And when I was done, she said to me, you know, you did that really well. And, and you look good on camera. Maybe you should look into being a reporter. And that was it, <laughs> it was like, OK, she planted the seed for me. And you, you have to sort of understand my background to like know why that was so impactful. You know, I come from my parents were migrant farm workers, so we did the circuit all the time. We went from Arizona to Texas to California, and they were working the fields. And on the weekends, I would work the fields with them. So to come from that kind of world, you know, I, I, there was a lot of negativity. There was a lot of racism that we dealt with. And finally, I have this one teacher who decided to take the time to spend time on this kid and, and, and she's white. And to me, she's showing interest and she's like, she's, she says, I have potential. (laughs) So because she believed in me, it allowed me to believe in myself. And when she said that, I just held on tight to that and I just continued with that. And since eighth grade, I always like, I'm gonna be a reporter, I'm gonna be a reporter. I don't know how, but I'm gonna be a reporter. And so I pursued it and my parents would always tell me, you know, when we we were working out there and I could see how hard they worked and I could see that sometimes they were being cheated out of like ridiculous, right? So for example, um, when they were working the onion season, you had to fill up all these sacks with onions And you go through all the the fields and the rows. And so by the time you're done, I think at the time they were paying like 75 cents per sack. And so you do all the math and they would still try to cheat them out of one or two. And you're like, for 75 cents? (laughs) It was insane. And so I saw how hard they worked. And they would always tell me, you know, Mija, you know, stay in school In, in Spanish, stay in school. Because you don't want to end up like us, and I and I really, you know, I, I listened to that, and I didn't want to do that, and so I did. I, I stayed in school, and I managed to, you know, eventually go on to college, and um, I went to UTEP, I went to El Paso Community College, um, and then I settled at the Arizona State University, which was the Walter Crockett School of Journalism, and it was a really wonderful experience. Although I'll say coming in, you know Arizona State is known for having a lot of really beautiful women. <laughs> and so uh, in that field, you know, I would see um, you know just gorgeous girls coming in. And now here I am, you know, short, a little bit chunky and my Spanish. My English is, is, you know, when you're bilingual, I feel like you butcher both languages, and I do both very well. <laughs> and butchering, I mean. <laughs> so I didn't feel confident right and and I'm seeing all these gorgeous girls and and you know and and I'm like I don't know how I'm gonna survive but you know I just some something just kept pushing me and um I ended up doing really well uh I got a chance to meet Walter Cronkite he came to the school and they selected like like seven people maybe I don't remember how many but it was a very small group and we all just sort of sat around and you know he talked to us and we asked questions well I didn't ask any questions though because I was too embarrassed or, or not embarrassed but too afraid I guess kind of shy and I just sort of sat there and took took in the experience um, but you know it was a really good um it, it was just wonderful to know that I could be in in his presence you know someone who I admired um, so I Before I graduated, I was working at, um, as a sophomore, I think it was when I started working at Bank of America. I was there for probably several months, but I knew that I needed to, in order to break into the business, I would need to figure out how to, you know, get in the door. So I just started sending emails or letters at the time. I don't think I was sending emails, uh, letters, because I remember I have pictures. We had typewriters on our desks. So I, um, I, I got in touch with someone from Univision, Anita Luera, who now works at ASU, and she was the news director, and she was the only one who responded to my, my calls and my letters. And she, uh, she met with me. And so I said, just give me a chance to intern. You know, I'll do whatever you guys mm-hmm. need, you know, whatever you're in need of, I'll, I'll make it happen. And so I quit my job and I started uh, interning there twice a week and that ended up turning into my first job because it was such a small operation um, that one of the reporters went on vacation and somehow they didn't know that she was going on vacation and they only had two reporters to cover Phoenix market. I mean, how crazy is that, right? Yeah, that's crazy. So um they were like panicking. There's nobody here. There's nobody. I'm like, let me do it. Let's just let me do one story. Let me do one story. They ended up letting me do one story. And then that turned into a job. So for two years, you know, I was working on air while I was a student at ASU. You know, it's in Spanish, but it's still on camera experience. And so, uh, yeah, by the time I graduated, I had two years of experience working at Univision. And then when I graduated, I well, what I did was I um, translated some of my stories, and you know made a new reel and sent it off to different stations. And I got hired in Tucson at the CBS affiliate, and I was there for a couple of years. um, And was that in
2: English? Um, Was that that was in English? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, that was at the CBS station KOLD, and I was there for maybe a little bit more than a couple of years. Um, and then I went back to Phoenix and then I worked there for ABC, no, it was first Fox and then it became ABC and I was there for two, three years. And I ended up doing, you know, working investigative work. And and so it was one of my stories from Phoenix. It was called, um, I think it was Mexican witchcraft and, um, David Goldberg saw that piece i don't know how he saw it because i never sent anything to extra i mean you know i just never i never even thought of extra as a possibility so somehow he got a hold of that story and he contacted me and said you know he was interested so we ended up having this meeting and it turned into you know a job and so i went from phoenix to to extra which was amazing. Honestly, Jen, that was like one of my best jobs. I I love working where I work now, but I'm just saying extra was fantastic. And the reason for that was because, you know, we were traveling all over the country covering the hot stories. It wasn't just entertainment like it is now. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was more like, what would you say? uh, Like inside edition, maybe?
0: Yeah. Very newsy with the news. Yeah.
1: It it was like the hot topic of the day. So you were all and so I really enjoyed doing that and then from there um, I went to um KCOP and I went there because um, Kristen Lang who was uh working on the assignment desk right Mm -hmm. she went there and we became a special projects uh, manager and she just like please come over we've got this We've, we've got you know just she had a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things. Yeah. And so, and she was offered making a really good offer. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. And I had just, um, had my, my second child. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was time for me to move on. And I know that I knew that extra was moving on, you know, doing a more entertainment and leaving the other, uh, you know, the more newsy stories in terms of like, you know, the hot topics. Right. So I ended up going there and 13 was bought by Fox And so now I've been with Fox since 2000. You know, so it's twenty going on 21 years. It's amazing.
0: It's amazing. (laughs) I'm old. (laughs) I know you started so young, working out. You know, while you were still in college, which is so great. You know, and that actually brings me to a question I have for you. Um, Just considering your background and. I mentor, or actually I'm part of um, the USC Latino Alumni Association. That's where I went to school. And, you know, so I do some Q&As with some of the students there sometimes. And then one of the students brought up to me, and I don't know if you've ever felt this at all, feeling imposter syndrome. I mean, just basically how, and I felt so naive because I've never felt that way. I don't know if it's like a personal thing or not. But I think it's something that a lot of, you know, Latinos, especially Latinas, you know, probably feel too, especially if they're first generation. And especially if they come from a working, if their family comes from a working class background. And I don't know if it was just because I was just so naive, I never really felt it, or I just let like the microaggressions brush off of me. But I was like, what do you mean? What's imposter syndrome? And she's like, you know, when you don't feel like you belong. And it's a big
1: challenge. It was this big challenge for this student. Was that something you ever felt at all? Oh, absolutely. And and quite frankly, I still sometimes feel it. Like there are certain, you know, in in certain situations where I just don't feel comfortable. And I know that it's just my own insecurities and my background, but Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a real thing. (laughs) It's definitely a real thing. You know, you still like carry all of that, the shame that maybe you had when you were a kid, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, like, all the things, all the stuff that you, the world that I went through in terms of like, you know, when I worked in the fields and like, I remember iron after washing our clothes, you iron your clothes. And after you've worked in, in the onion fields, the smell still comes up. So no matter how much, how many times you wash your clothes, that smell comes up. So I always felt like, oh my God, I, I stink. You know, I smell bad. And mm-hmm. that to this day, I can still smell it. And I still feel like, you know, I know I'm not there anymore, but I still feel like I have to keep my distance a little bit. It's so bizarre oh. because psychologically, I mean, I'm aware that that is a lifetime ago, mm-hmm. but yeah, you do feel like, you know, it like it, it's, I can't explain it, but you do feel that imposter syndrome. Like, I don't really belong here. What am I doing here? And and so it was the same thing, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and then and what what did
0: you do to like get past that? Like even now? Like is there is it also you just put your mind to the task, you're like, okay, I gotta brush it off or give yourself yeah, I mean, you think about yeah, your I mean, eighth grade teacher.
1: You just brush it off and you focus on what's, you know, what's in front of you and you realize, okay, that's that's not you. You know what I mean? It's like it's no one here is trying to make you feel uncomfortable. It's your own uh, issues that you have that you have to work out. And so as long as you're aware that you have issues <laughs> that you carry with you from your, you know, your past, um, and you don't like, I, I okay, so. If, Let me see. Let me backtrack here. I I know you've heard of like people who have this big chip on their shoulders. Right. And they carry it and then they put, they project and they blame it all on everyone else. Right. I've met people like that and I understand where they're coming from, but that's the problem that they don't acknowledge that they, they have an issue. Um, And so everyone else is to blame and it's not the case, you know, like I feel like I don't belong here, but it's not because you guys are making me feel uncomfortable. It's just that I feel like, you know, I feel insecure. And so I need to fix that. And so that's just being aware of that, I think, you know, will help. During your
2: career, did you share your background with, you know, when you were going to jobs and stuff like that? Were you open to sharing where you came from? Or because I feel like a lot of us, Sort of want to hide you know sometimes like our you know how we grew up or you know a lot of us the latinas who are in my who are in my business like yourself you know we weren't given this you know we didn't our parents didn't do what we do i feel like it's a lot of first generation who have broken into this business most of my friends who are Latinas. And so I feel like we've broken down those barriers, but at the same time, we like just talk amongst ourselves, like our backgrounds, you know, so did you feel that way or did you feel mm. that you couldn't really share that you worked at the farms and, or were you just like, this is who I am and this is where I come from.
1: No, no. Um, in the very beginning, I didn't want to share. I was too embarrassed. You know, I didn't, I wanted to like, you know, (laughs) pretend I was someone else. Right. And so I think, you know, that in itself hurt me, you know, with, with, uh, with certain job interviews, because I really wasn't being genuine. Mm -hmm. And then later, I don't know exactly what it was, but I just decided, you know, why am I like not saying where I come from? You know, why am I ashamed of that? that's the reason you're here it's because I wanted to work really hard to make sure that I wasn't doing the same thing that my parents were you know because I knew how hard they worked and it wasn't getting them anywhere you know Mm -hmm. so I eventually I started to uh, reveal that and so I think people were accepting of that you know and, and and more understanding so I think my advice to any Latinas is to be just be yourself you know and and share where you come from. If you come from a humble background, by all means, describe it. To, you know, share it with other people because by doing that, you're able to help. You know, someone else who's in the same position who's also afraid to come out and, and speak their truth.
2: Mm-hmm. I so. think that's very common amongst you know Latinas, and um, I don't know maybe other backgrounds and cultures that we are just oh I can't share that because it's embarrassing or they're going to look at me a different way and it's funny because it's like we're so strong in the sense that I'm sure you give back in your own way to young Latinas or anybody that probably comes seeking for help Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just I wonder what we can do in order to to change that you know and really like be our authentic selves and stuff. So I think that's one of the reasons why we do this because I think so many of us feel that same way.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it is important to, you know be able to help others whenever, you know they ask for, for any assistance or just guidance. You know, I do like, I remember this kid I was covering a story um, and I think it was in Phoenix. I was covering a story uh, involving kids who got in trouble with the law. And there was this kid who was just, there was just no hope in his eyes, you know, and he was telling me about how his, you know, he, his parents didn't care and he, you know, they had nothing and, and he was really, they were really poor. And, um, I recognized the, the, the the sort of the fear and the sadness that comes when you come from you know a really you know economically challenged family you know Mm -hmm. and so you just sort of have to like give some love you know give some love and like make them understand or try to try to help them understand that you know there is there's a way out of this poverty cycle you know you just sort of have to like find the right people to open those doors and then once they open those doors, then it's really all up to you to work hard and and make the change. But there are good people out there who are willing to help you. And if you work hard, it can be done, you know? So, yeah, absolutely. I think it's important to like, look out for that in young girls, because you can see it. If you really pay attention, you can see it in their faces, like what, what some of that struggle might be. And you might even recognize that struggle. Like I recognize this boy's struggle. Like Mm -hmm. I I know that because I remember feeling as a kid at times like, oh, my God, you know, like I'm never going to get out of this. You know, this is who we are and this is it. Mm -hmm. But it's not the way, you know, that's not exactly true. There's you can make it happen. You just work hard and meet the right people and, you know, try to like get through that door.
2: Get through that door. Yeah. I have another question for you. So what you said when you were interning, Um, you were at Univision did you ever feel that as a Latina it was going to be a challenge to get inside the English market because I feel like so many times they see us and they see us like oh you're going to be in the Spanish station oh yeah you're just like okay well I actually speak (laughs) English
1: (laughs) Uh, Uh, yeah you know that um...
2: barrier that that big leap because even though you were in you weren't in
1: Exactly. Yeah. No, I remember, you know, I I interviewed with, I won't mention the name, but I interviewed with this news director um, who was at the number one station in Phoenix at the time. And that station was known for having these really beautiful women, you know, and, and like most of them were, were blondes, you know? <laughs> and so he met with me and I was working at Univision and I'm like, you know, I really want to break into the English market and yada, yada, yada. And um, he just flat out said, "You know, you just don't have the look. You don't like have the look for it." And I was like, "I was, I think, at the moment devastated." But then it like, "Really? I'm going to show you." (laughs) Yeah, I may not, you know, I may not have those looks, but I'm still going to make it happen. And so. Yeah, I mean that's the kind of stuff that you you dealt with and you felt like you know okay so I'm not good enough for that yet. And then you as a as a reporter for Univision, I would show up at certain places. Now keep in mind this is like you know, you know, in like 89, 90s. So a lot has changed since then. Yes. But um, we would show up and then there'd be some jerk saying, oh, Taco News just showed up. I'm not kidding you. That's the kind of stuff that we're dealing with. Crazy horrible. No, no, it was horrible. And, and so um yeah, you, you always felt like, okay, I know I'm on TV, but I'm not quite there yet. And mm-hmm. so yeah. And so TV now here's so
0: the thing, thing when, when that happened, when someone actually says Tonka News just showed up. I mean, what did you address that? What did you do? Because I feel oh. like I mean, in my situation at that time, like years ago, maybe I have more of um impatience now, you know what I mean. But it will, um, did you say
1: anything? Did you have the courage to say something? I didn't have the courage to say anything. I didn't. Mm-hmm. And I, I know now that if it, ha- if it were to happen now, I would say something. Yeah. But back then I didn't. I think yeah. I just like uh, nervously laughed it off, which kind of makes me mad <laughs> that I did that. Yeah, oh, we've been there.
0: Well, I think yeah. we've all been there. Yeah, And it's true. And like, you don't want to rock the boat. You're afraid of saying something. Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, it's that fear, right. That, you know, we, we made it in, let's not walk the boat, you know, let's right. just keep doing this. And I think now it's such a, it's been time. It's been past this time where we have to walk the boat and make it work yeah. and, mm-hmm. and bring it up. And like you said, embrace ourselves and share ourselves and be authentic to ourselves. Yeah, for sure. How do you feel like the newsroom has shifted a little bit like the, or the news, you know, atmosphere, environment?
1: I think so. I think so. You know, I, I still think that we have a long way to go. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, you know, and I, I, I measure that by the kind of stories that we still cover, you know, for example, forever, you've, you've heard the the argument that, you know, the media will only cover, you know, if a white little girl goes missing, they'll Mm -hmm. cover her, you know, extensively, but a, a black little girl, you know, it's rarely get rarely gets covered. And so more and more, you know, we're all pushing for that in the newsroom, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're, we're, we're covering it, but there are still incidents where I feel like, why didn't we cover that story? Why? I mean, that's just as important as this one, you know? And so I still think we need a little bit more work at the top. Mm-hmm. At
2: the top. That's very true. Now, what advice would you give a Latina who's Young high school wanting to get into journalism into in front of the camera because I feel like that's hard, you know it's really hard to do, especially um, a woman of color. Um, So what what advice would you want to give all the young girls out there to keep you know pursuing their dreams.
1: Absolutely. Well, I would say, number one, stay in school, you know, finish your studies and, and and then just really focus on what it is that, you know, you like, we all admire people in our fields, you know, look at how they, their style, look at their work, look at um, what you have to do to, you know, not necessarily be exactly like them, but to get to a certain level where you feel comfortable in, in doing a story. And of course, practice makes perfect. Get out there. You've got phones, you know, nowadays it's so easy back then, you know, you have all this bulky equipment, but now you can have a story on your phone, shoot your story, you know, and and start writing just write a lot because it takes some time to like, really, you know, get in, get good at, at, at what you're, you know, you're doing in this field. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, practice, 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 and reach out to people because people, like I said, are will surprise you. <laughs> people yeah. can be really kind and, and really willing to give you a hand and, and, and open that door for you. But again, once that door is open, it's up to you. It's really up to you. That's,
0: very That's so true. And then, so last question before we go is, I also think it's so important, especially as Latinas, to think about how to diversify like our talents, right? um because sometimes we just get stuck on one path and we don't kind of like open up to see the whole world's perspective of what we can do and I know that you've diversified because you're now you're a photographer a really wonderful photographer so I'm just curious as to um when you decided to do that and why was that important for you and then the advice you give to others about you know embracing your
1: talents not just you know just keeping your eyes open yeah well that's just it I mean embrace your talents you know find out like if you start doing something and you suddenly do it really well and you're enjoying it, that's that's part of your passion. Right. So mm-hmm. you just pursue that and and, and just keep doing it. I, I found out that I was enjoying taking photos, you know, and not just of landscapes, but of people. And so I just started doing that more and more and more. And, um, you know, it's like my second it's a hobby, you know, but it's like my second, uh, my, my plan B <laughs> should yeah. plan a fail after all these years. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to plan B. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's something I
0: totally grew up with. Have a plan A, B, and C. <laughs>
1: <exactly>. <laughs> and
0: then sometimes yeah. it's so hard because you're working so hard at trying to be good at that one thing that, that overtakes your life. So isn't that hard to like, just kind of balance that out?
1: It is, it is, you know, like, I had a lot more time before um you know the pandemic but now after the pandemic and you know everything that's happened um you know i have a little bit less time so i haven't been doing a lot of photography um i have a shoot coming up pretty soon but it's not like i used to and, and so you just sort of have to make make the time for whatever it is that you want to pursue and you know just decide prioritize you know what is more important you know if this is if you really want this, then that should be number one, you know, and really focus on on making yourself better every single day. Well, that's wonderful. Well, we're gonna have to book our headshots with you. <laughs>
0: yeah, we're gonna do that. So we're, <laughs> so we're gonna be calling you. Okay, <laughs> you got sure. it, Gina. Thank you so much. I mean, thank I always love talking to you, and um, this was just such a wonderful conversation, Melana. Anything to add? Yeah. Thank you, ladies. Thank you
2: so much. Thank you for sharing your story. It was a pleasure getting to hear everything and getting to know you. So thank you. Thanks, Gina.
0: Thank you for having me. All right, until next time, everybody take care. Have a good day.
1: Bye. Thank you ladies. All right.
2: Awesome.